I thought you said this trash wasn't worth fighting for. We're not fighting. Avoiding damage is fighting. <gasps> we can talk this out. F you. Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Nach Karnik, and with me this week in the away team are... Dinah McPhail. Bill Voivod. Emily Bowen Marler. Rodikus Baker. Strange New Takes is a brand new Star Trek pod. Uh, we were supposed to talk about Strange New Worlds, but since that's not going to come out for a couple years and we're impatient, <laughs> we, just, <laughs> we're, we wanted to start right away, and so we're... Um, talking about Lower Decks. <clears throat> so today we are super excited to bring you our strange new takes for Lower Decks Season 1, Episode 6, Terminal Provocations. But before we get there, we want to encourage you to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, make sure to tell your friends to listen to us. We super love getting strange new listeners from all over the world, and your recommendations will get us there. Also, don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Your rating will help us appear higher on search lists when people look for a Star Trek podcast to listen to. And just as a heads up, this podcast and all our podcasts include spoilers for episodes um, that um, are in the Star Trek lore, so if you haven't had a chance to watch Terminal Provocations and you don't want to be spoiled, feel free to hold off uh, until you watch the episode. If you don't care, just come on in and jump in with us. Alright, before we get to anything else related to Terminal Provocations, I want to talk about Star Trek Day, because that was this past week. Uh, I was like, what is the significance of Star Trek Day? Is it... Like the day that Kirk was born or like the day that the Enterprise was actually made in the flesh or something. And then they were like, it's in the, the day in that... In the flesh. It was right. a flesh ship and then it became a <laughs> ship. Voyager. <laughs> what, 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 what was this momentous event? And apparently it's the day that uh, Star Trek was aired for the first time. So it's like, a, okay. it's, it's a CBS thing. Um, so, you know, mm -hmm. but you know... We, we, Star Trek is made up. Star Trek Day is made up. So it's all good. And they had panels. They had some news. They had some new Listen, trailers. Listen, it felt very real to me. So I don't know what you're talking about with this made up Wait, garbage. you said Star Trek is made up? Not <laughs> I don't know. Mm, 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 mm. Okay, okay. This so is not this a is Galaxy we, this Quest is, We turn podcast. in our podcast like metal now. We're like, no, sorry. We take it. So sorry. <laughs> so we had two new trailers. One was for Discovery Season 3. Uh, did y'all have any thoughts on this? Do y'all want to watch it again before we react to it? I just thought it was awesome. Mm -hmm. It got me super excited. Yeah. Same. I think I, one of the things that I, I made me want to do is, like, go back and watch seasons one and two together and sort of prepare myself emotionally for season three. I think that, like, that usually happens with a new season of anything. So I'm like, I'm going to watch every other episode beforehand, which I don't think I have the time or the brain space to do. Yeah. But um, it did make me excited to see, like, that the show is maybe doing something that it hasn't done before and other shows haven't done before too which i'm super excited about is in like instead of retreading ground we might actually be doing new stuff which would be super cool i'm into that i'm ready and and for me again um as i said last time humor stands out in in pulling new people in who don't know track and i think the episode the the the, um, the trailer had a couple of instances of humor right like um Michael Burnham being really happy that she was not alone finally mm -hmm. in the future. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I like that they're going to yeah. continue to try to weave that in. If it's there in the trailer, they're going to weave that in. Um, one other instance, I, I forget what it was, I think with, um, uh, with, with the engineering team, but humor is always good. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So this, oh, this was something that I w got from one of the, um, from one of the panels, but it pertains to when you talked about the joy that Cindy Gromer, when she has that moment, she realizes she's not alone. Um, I think it was Jonathan Frakes on this, on the TNG Picard panel. Um, he was talking about that. Uh, she said, he said, there's something different about you this season. What is it? And she said, I, my character is no longer driven by fear. <laughs> um, and anyway, so I'm excited to see what that looks mm. like um, this season. Yeah. Really yeah. cinematic feeling uh, trailer. And uh, mm. I, I picked up on also the Ben, the Ben, 
which which it's like Inspector Clouseau like line. It's the band, no the band, not the band, the band, which which results the burn results in the Federation collapsing, and according to one of the showrunners, the burn is some sort of cataclysmic event, but it's not necessarily like a um, something that the Federation did to themselves. Good, yeah. mm-hmm. So it, it's it's gonna be interesting to learn what that was, and yeah. um, it's they were it's, tight-lipped. They were tight-lipped about it, right? They were. Yeah. But I'm excited that it's not. I, I was glad to hear that it wasn't something the Federation inflicted on themselves mm-hmm. because th- I feel like so like more recent Star Trek really mm-hmm. wants to pull at the and, and poke at the flaws in the Federation, which like just destroys all of our childhoods. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> and so I'm kind of excited that it's going to be some external thing that's happening. It sounds like I agree. I think it's what I, what I think is interesting about. Um, current Star Trek or most recent Star Trek is that there's like it's simultaneously opening new storylines to like poke at this at Star the Federation but it also kind of like closes every other possibility off like if it's always about the Federation doing itself in and being its own worst enemy then you're like okay cool there's nothing there's no other world there's no other civilization there's no other possible conflict it has to come from within every single time it's like if you watch like a, a bunch of horror movies and every single time the guy was in the house calling for the, the one line from the other line like oh no the killer's in the house again what is this and it's like there's no imagination with that so if there's a, something outside again that like that's actually richer to have options not just being like the federation's destroying itself because of all of its flaws well, I'll be surprised if they don't have at least a little bit of that. So Giorgio yeah. is with them, right? And somehow yeah. she gets back mm-hmm. at some point, probably yeah. this season. So we'll she- see how they do that. But it's irresistible for writers, right? It's like if you're mm-hmm. doing a police procedural or like a buddy cop right. uh, show, like the lieutenant always has to shut down the investigation, you know. You turn in your gun and your badge right Yeah, now. exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, so for the writers, I think it's just irresistible to have at least a little bit of conflict coming mm. from the top or from the other end. Totally. Yeah, and I've, 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 seen, um, I've seen that change over the various series of Star Trek, right? So I was, I don't know how, as re- I mean, in, in research for this episode, I kind of ended up with um, the TNG episode Conspiracy with those weird pa- parasites that mm-hmm. sort of infiltrate into the Admiralty. And I was reading that the, the original um, plot actually intended for it not to be an alien parasite infestation invasion, but a mutiny. And and um, I think um, somebody way high up, I forget who, was opposed to that because Star Trek was too good, mm. or sorry, Starfleet was too good to have that that happened but then if you fast forward to ds9 and and you know the changeling um uh, inquisitions and all of that and they were Mm -hmm. trying to do something on earth in in, um, uh, on earth so there's been a change um but yeah i guess we hope to find a balance let's just leave it at that it's 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 basically shining a light to how we feel about our institutions right yeah like that is that is what star thing, yeah. trek has always done it is all <laughs> all <laughs> these alien races are thinly veiled um uh stereotypes and and characterizations mm-hmm. of america's enemies or sometimes not and, even veiled <laughs> just right 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 no veil <laughs> uh the, the romulans were supposed to be maoist china the klingon mm-hmm. was supposed to be russia i think and then there's you is, know, it, it is just, it in japan you know, i thought klingons were japan it, it started as Russia, Russia, okay. and then okay, right, and then TNG is like the fall of the Soviet Union, right? So then they totally right. change and they become this kind of mix between samurai and Vikings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you <laughs> you had the expand storyline in Enterprise being nine mm-hmm. eleven essentially, mm-hmm. and, and right. the Enterprise panel they actually talked about that a little bit yeah. and how that mm-hmm. came about. But I think what we're seeing with the last few years of Star Trek is. Mm-hmm. The lack of faith, and this is something that's happened since about 2003, that we've had this more and more skeptical mm-hmm. approach to American exceptionalism uh, yeah. within this country. And, you know, in the last few years, that has been uh, not up a notch. And I think that's where this is coming from. I don't know where that's going to go in terms of, like, how... I, I mean, the whole attitude to America, the, not the Star Trek thing. I don't know how Star Trek's going to go either, but that seems less important right now. Um, so, I don't... I, I think that we'll continue to see Star Trek reflect that attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, even with the Ben. Um, I just love that guy's accent. I can't help it. He kept saying the Peter Ben, Sellers. like, four times. <laughs> and Bega. 
<laughs> what I think is what I think what I think is interesting, and so there's like as an idea maybe for the future, but I mean, if anyone who writes for Star Trek is listening, um, <laughs> but like we we never really see like the actual leadership of Starfleet or the Federation. We always kind of see like there's individual people within leadership, like the, individual admirals or like an individual like diplomat, like an uh, um, ambassador. We never actually see like the people or the the entities who are the leadership of the federation and so it's really interesting yeah looks like yeah so there's there's no real like thread line or continuity of actual leadership and so there's no one to really criticize unless it's so it's just like kind of the shadowy board of figures like we don't like the federation or the federation has these flaws but who is the federation Mm -hmm. actually and if the federation is like every single person who's part of the federation like is the federation who is leading the federal, you know? So I think that's an interesting point. I don't know if that it does anything to even consider that that is not a, a, a factor in most criticisms of the Federation. Like I, these people who lead the Federation are, they're not even named, you know? I mean, I have seen a, a script actually from Picard season two and it's, oh. it's, it was a little on the nose when Admiral Stump, who's in charge of Starfleet, refuses <laughs> to give up his post after he is voted out. Uh, um, mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. Are you serious? <laughs> no, you're joking. Okay. <laughs> Chico's writing has gotten even more on the nose. Interesting. All right. We, I got to keep us moving along because we, we're yeah. spending a lot more time Indeed. on this than I thought, which is good. But still, um, there was a Lower Decks trailer. It was funny. I I think we're going to review those episodes soon so we don't need yeah. to talk about the trailer so much um strange new worlds had a panel uh i was stunned to hear the actors knew this show was going to happen a year mm-hmm. a year before we did they yeah. never leaked there was some confusion wow. on wow. revealing that right like they, i think um Re- rebecca wanted to reveal it but the others were like no you know we we found out on this phone call and it was so it was interesting. There, it wasn't. It wasn't completely rehearsed, right? Like the, it, yeah. the, the all the panels weren't rehearsed. But one of the things I found interesting aside is they were like weirdly cutting over from one scene to another. So you could see there's a lot of hard editing. So yeah. um, <laughs> I, I feel good about um, podcasts in general after seeing that. But, yeah. <laughs> Did, so I didn't. I didn't catch that one. Did they say anything about filming? No, but they no, are they, no. they, they have writing. scripts. Yeah, they have yeah. scripts. They have storylines. It's like it seemed like it's fully fleshed out. They were saying like I learned yeah. this one thing about my character. It's badass. I can't wait for you to learn. There's mm. gonna be uh, what we did learn is it's gonna be a more episodic show. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's essentially TOS and TNG and Voyager's episodic format, but with more thematic continuity between cool. episodes. Um, nice. Like Picard from- would actually be affected by the Borg assimilating him. Right, and, like and, that kind, like it would be a carryover. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, that's just not yeah. not not only when it's convenient for the storyline, but like in, right, yeah. And, yeah. Essentially, the character thread is what is you know continues over. That's, There's yeah. I wondered that's if they cool. were gonna have like Bad Wolf. <laughs> you know they, 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 should, they sure do, <laughs> Doctor Who. <laughs> but I was like, like, like I almost of... wondered if it was gonna be some kind of thing mm-hmm. that that threads through it all but it doesn't necessarily it's it's like an extra for those mm-hmm. of us who are watching all the episodes but it's easier to drop in and watch an episode mm-hmm. maybe and and the sense i also get is that it's going to be kind of more of the traditional space explorer like think about philosophical themes ish mm-hmm. format that's that's the impression i got um there's one other thing that was mentioned which is that uh, akiva goldsman i think is the one who said it one of the show show writers or creators said it on on the show which was that um, he's agitating for a Lower Decks crossover with Strange New Worlds because, of course, number one, played by Rebecca Roman, uh, Rebecca Roman's husband plays the number one on um, Lower Decks. Oh, that's right. So, <laughs> so we need a... So that, that would be fun. Um, keeping us moving, the Enterprise panel was kind of interesting. A lot of mm-hmm. great stuff in there. I don't want to like just throw it all here because you, you should go and watch that. I didn't know that Scott Bakula was like this... Um, bringer together uh, together were of the uh, that's a word definitely uh, right? <laughs> of the it. enterprise cast they all were like scott bacula helped us feel like a group like he loved mm-hmm. us and like brought us together and made us feel like included yeah. shook the hands of everybody on the set at the day end of filming every day like the dude sounds like an awesome human being and they were oh, yeah. like a tight-knit group like i feel like the enterprise crew i never knew mm-hmm. um you know because he got canceled and everything i never knew much about them but they they seem like a great group of mm-hmm. a great cast 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a really nice story. Yeah, yeah you know, and I found, I, I've just found really like the deep. I I watched all of them because they had they have like a three and a half hour YouTube video with all of them put yeah. together. So that's what I watched. Um, I mean, the DS Nine panel was was really emotional because you know uh, Rene Aubergenois and um, uh, oh mm-hmm. gosh, yeah. Anyway, uh, Nog, Nog Ro- uh, yeah. Eisenberg, Aaron right. Eisenberg, yeah. I'm so sorry. I totally know his name. It just flew out of my head. But Aaron Eisenberg passed away last year. And, you know, so it was um, it was just really emotional because mm-hmm. of that. And uh, the the original series panel just had um, George Takei from the original series, but then also had uh, Rod Roddenberry and Will Wheaton running. Mm-hmm. But that one, I mean, like, George Takei, man. I mean, yeah, he was dude. like preaching a sermon. <laughs> he is it was super it was cool. pretty incredible. Just, I mean, he was talking a lot about, you know, experiences growing up, you know, as a child being in the internment mm-hmm. camp. But, then, but how it's informed him to be such a good citizen of this mm-hmm. country to ensure that that doesn't happen rather than bitter. Anyway, it was awesome. And um, Akiva Goldsman, I think also, actually a lot of the, the show, um, the the crew or the showrunner part of um, Strange New Worlds was really great. They, I found what they had to say really inspiring. And, and you know, um, I, I wish I could remember everyone's names. I'm only going to remember Akiva Goldman's name. But um, anyway, I just I, I found so much of the panels to be really moving mm. and inspiring and just an example of like it's not just what we're seeing on our TV screens, what's happening behind the scenes. They're trying to make that be about yeah. the world we long for also. Yeah, it's lovely to have something positive <laughs> this I, year. I, that was like a lot of positivity, I feel. Yeah. I will also give a shout out to Kella Cooper, who um, was on the on the Strange New Worlds panel. She's, I believe, um, one of the, the main um, uh, folks of, on Strange New Worlds. And she was talking about how watching Star Trek and seeing the diversity uh, back in the 90s or with the earlier shows had allowed her to feel and I'm, I'm paraphrasing so please go yes. watch this and, and hear her own words on this so I might do a poor job but made her like inspired her and now she mm-hmm. was the one writing mm-hmm. for Star Trek so you know kind of taking it that next step it feel mm-hmm. like yeah um, so so that that's kind of an interesting I think perspective there was also some talk of immigration and and how Star Trek has informed people's views on that mm-hmm. uh, good stuff yeah go watch the Star Trek Seriously. Day panels they are on the CBS all access YouTube channel um, snippets of them are on, on the Star Trek Twitter let us move on and uh, before we do though I'm gonna take a quick break to throw in another line from lower decks do it Welcome back to Strange New Takes. We're here to talk about Lower Decks episode number six, Terminal Provocations, written by John Cochran, directed by Bob Suarez, in Universe at 5766.3.19. I, I completely messed You're doing up. doing great. I, I didn't do, I thought do a captain's log, y'all. I'm bad at this. Not with that attitude, you can't. Come on. Right? Uh, here, let me try. Captain's log. As the Cerritos tries to scare off Drukmani scavengers from a derelict Starfleet vessel, the lovable but awkward Ensign Fletcher makes work difficult for Mariner and Boimler. Rutherford introduces Tendi to a holodeck training program he created. This is mostly from the IMDB summary with little addition from myself. So Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, right. Now, now, your strange new takes on terminal provocations. Who wants to go first? I had one. So here's the thing: I walk into these shows and be like, "This is my strange new take. I've got it." And then we get to the point where we're going <laughs> to give our strange new take, and I'm like, "Ah, it's just words, uh, words." Um, so I'm going to pass. I'm going to punt it for a second while no. I remember what I was trying to say. <laughs> okay. Uh, my strange new take is that. The word threshold should really have two H's. <laughs> and regarding <laughs> regarding the episode, <clears throat> I was just really happy to see the the unacknowledged uh, affection and and uh, you know subtle romance between Rutherford and Tendi mm-hmm. to be acknowledged a little bit. That was and the big I'm, payoff for me. Yeah. Not awkwardly. No. Yeah. I don't know if I'm stealing this from somebody, but looks like somebody in the 
writing group doesn't like Microsoft or <laughs> Clippy that's what i was gonna say too well so so the, the like repiecing my my strange new take first my, my strange new take is that decaf coffee is terrible don't let anybody tell you any different and secondly that out of world out of universe jokes especially even extended out of universe jokes actually really work in this show and so i was very i was very pleasantly surprised by it my strange new take is that I don't understand why everyone else's lighting always looks so much better than mine <laughs> on Zoom meetings. Um, and uh, the other, my strange new take for Lower Decks is that um, people keep talking about worrying about women being in positions of power because they're worried their emotions will control them. <laughs> but as far as I can tell, Lower Decks is all about the men being 100% controlled by their emotions. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm hurt. <laughs> My, my my strange new take is about uh, is is that you shouldn't put wood that is too long for your car into your car and then try to slam your trunk closed because it might break your windshield. That's not uh, a euphemism, right? Not that's, that's no, not that is literally what happened. So oh, I have to no. go fix my windshield next week. But anyway, my strange right. new take on this episode oh, no. is that oh man, I am loving the self-referential. Like it's it's just like. They watched an episode of Star Trek and all the dumb, like, side <laughs> thoughts that they had. I was like, huh, you know, that ref- on further reflection, that becomes plot in this <laughs> in this series. And I love that. It's great. Mm-hmm. This is what I needed. Yeah. I am so happy. I feel like three of my strange takes have been exactly the same, and I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. Hey, let's move into talking about uh, the episode in depth. Story and writing. What did y'all think about this one? So this is a really tight story, I feel. Um, it's one of the first times... Um, in the season that the A plot and the B plot are directly related to each other. So like we understand the actual importance of the the warp the core being replaced because the A plot needs the shields. And so there's a real direct link between the two of them. Um, and that wasn't overplayed, which I thought was really good. And then we have this really beautiful Tendi and Rutherford story that is somehow also related directly to the A plot and the B plot, even though it's much more tangential. So everything sort of worked together and there was no like, meanwhile, elsewhere on the ship, a completely different thing is happening. So I liked how integrated all the storylines were with each other and it didn't leave a lot of room for there to be plot holes or uh, strange, uh, overly convenient explanations for why things happened. I liked it a lot. Yeah, for me, um, and we'll get into characters a little bit later, but for me, it was interesting. We all talked about this from the Star Trek panels on how shows can be either episodic or more of a you know an arc that, that, that spans episodes. And usually it's the plot that spans episodes, the characters they put, uh, the fact that they got Ensign Fletcher in. Um, I don't know if he'll stay um, going forward, but maybe they're trying to even look at episodic characters it's it's tough you got to develop a character within 20 minutes in an episode and, and make sure that sticks uh, but i don't know it's it's it, i think it worked here um I, I like to see somebody new and fresh in in there and, and get so much screen time and and it fit well with the plot so mm-hmm. we'll see. i so i have kind of a contrary take <clears throat> and maybe i maybe this re- something really bugged me and maybe i'm making too big of a deal out of this but I felt like there was like a del- must have been a deleted scene or something with Ensign Flesher because the, f- the first two scenes that he's in, he's really cool mm-hmm. and he's, he's just like awesome and he's like a bro and he helps him out and he's like confident and like, you know, good friend and whatever. Diplomatic. And then in the third yeah. scene, it just totally changes. Mm-hmm. And he's like yeah, an idiot with no redeeming quality. <laughs> I was like, what? what? I was really confused about what happened with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I have fair. to go back actually and watch the beginning of the episode again after my rewatch because i was like i got that too and i was like Mm -hmm. are there hints in the beginning about like what he's gonna become and i think you're right bill i think that's the that is the one thing in this which is really convenient Mm -hmm. is that fletcher becomes kind of the move plot long uh piece i will say that for an episode that featured mariner and boimler so much i think this focused on their character development less mm-hmm. than previous episodes have um and I, I don't really think that's good or bad it's just an interesting kind of feeling not to have uh them be like the focus of we changed so much 
Right. I think that one of the things that I really appreciated about this episode until the writers called it out super specifically and put it way on the nose was that the episode focused more on them working together as a team without fighting each other. And that was actually really refreshing because every other episode basically has been like, Boimler is this and Mariner is this and they're an odd couple who don't work together. And so every once in a while, it's nice to have like, they actually do work as a unit. They do work really well together. They are actually really good friends without undercutting each other or trying to manipulate situations that will put them in one of the, in the other person's power and that kind of stuff. Um, so I really, really liked that. And, you know, it comes to the expense of Fletcher, but this is Star Trek. So, you know, an, a, a side character showing up and not being very Starfleet and causing lots of problems is like the heart and blood of a lot of Star Trek episodes. Um, but then, like, at a certain point, it's toward the end, they ruin it. The entire, like, the writers ruin it by being like, isn't it great that we're working together instead of fighting each other? And it's like, yeah, dude, I got that. I understood that in the first five minutes of this episode did we need to call it out no we didn't so like that's if i have a i have a one quibble about the writing is that when it's really good and really subtle there are some moments i'm going to call out later that i think are really great um for characterization and for plot line and then there's some moments like that one where it's like i we all understood that like every single person understood what you just meant without us having to be told about it you know what i mean I, I got the gap, um, in the, the sudden change in Fletcher as well. I actually liked it in the beginning because I thought that was what was pulling the mystery of the episode on what the heck happened. And even when they found that, that, that core module on his bunk, I was like, no, um, maybe there's something else that we... Because there was this whole silhouette that shot him apparently, right? Or he was just making that up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, but but then they ruined it in the end. You're, you, you guys are right. When they... Um, I thought there would be another connect in the end where, you know, he, he sort of is is um, brought back up in a good way, but they just sort of dragged him all the way mm-hmm. to the end. And <laughs> I, I, do, I do wonder if the overall theme of this episode is trying not to please everybody because, you know, that's what Fletcher's trying to do. He's trying to just be the best person who makes everyone happy and, like, help Isn't everybody that out. Um, that is Tendi as well. Yeah. Hey. And Rutherford is doing that with, right? but, It's but, a but lower it, deck quality, I guess. I guess no. In this episode, Rutherford tries to do that with Tendi, where he's like, I have this program that's not ready, but I'm going to try to help you because that's what we do with Starfleet. And then you have um, uh, Captain Freeman trying not to blow these clearly violent scavengers away. To the point where the weapon systems are down. I mean, no fault of her own, but like, you know, she should have faith on the ship to stick yeah. in one piece. <laughs> but to the point where they were like, one like chance evacuation of like a rogue isolinear core away from getting destroyed as a ship because, you know, their shields were down. They had no weapons. So I, I do feel like some of this is like kind of that, that line between trying to please everybody else, trying to stick to your ethics versus just taking action and. Or, or sticking up for yourself and, and not being somebody who has to kind of bend over to make someone else like better or satisfied or uh, happy, you know? Yeah, I think in, term, in terms of themes, like I don't see, I don't, I don't disagree with you, but I also feel like other episodes, if they were, we're going to talk about that specific theme, other episodes really focused on that theme across the entire episode very clearly. Um, sort of Cupid's Air and Arrow, but also Temporal Edict. And then the first episode after the pilot whose name i have forgotten conveniently um but like those ones yeah thank you those are the ones that actually like focus on that one theme throughout the story and so each individual particulate story which don't work together in like don't fit together perfectly in the story work together because they're thematically connected where this one i think like the fact that all the storylines are actually just connected canonically like this one storyline affects the other storyline affects the other storyline um means that the, the themes don't have to be as, like, cemented to each other because there's something else that puts everything together and makes it flow. Um, I, I read rather Rutherford's working with, like, um, thing with Tendi is less of, like, I'm trying to please Tendi. I don't know. It wasn't necessarily... He was trying to impress her, but it wasn't, like... I don't know. It didn't feel quite the same level of that as Fletcher, which, I mean, Fletcher definitely seemed a lot, like, pathological and somewhat borderline <laughs> in a lot of, a lot of mm. different ways. Um and so it didn't necessarily feel like that that they were s- similar enough in terms of the stakes that that theme came through. If that makes sense, so I don't disagree with you, but I would quibble about it. I'm a little quibbles. I'm a quibble. Well, let's uh, let's talk about character development, and let's go to Mariner first, where 
it was kind of interesting. One of the things that I noticed because I went back and watched the beginning of the episode right after it ended was that <coughs> right when she's fighting with Tana in the in the mess, Boimler accuses her of not being very Starfleet. And the very end of the episode, it's in she's told I think by Boimler as well or Fletcher wanted to in your heart you're Starfleet. And she's very much like she has that moment of like we're Starfleet. We learn from our mistakes and like all of that. And so it's kind of like an interesting little. Uh, inversion from the beginning to the end Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was kind of a theme for this episode Mm. was what it means to be starfleet both with among the senior staff and um the lower deckers Mm -hmm. no i think it's i think it's um i don't think it's boimler who says that i think it actually is to anna who says like somebody in at least somebody here recognizes rank or somebody here is starfleet like there's she she says something pretty like I mean, caddy. <laughs> Sorry about it. Mm. <laughs> well done. Ugh. But also, like, there. I mean, it's interesting. I think, but it's interesting because, like, Tana says to Mariner, like, I've heard about you, yeah. and like, who can she have heard about her except for her mom? <laughs> like, you're like you're a disgrace to Starfleet. I heard that from your mom. Is like a really weird, like, line to draw on that one. Um, so maybe there's something to that, right? Like, we're all trying to figure out what got. A mariner to this ship mm-hmm. and something bad happened so maybe yeah. there's like a michael burnamy kind of situation something really went wrong and, and we haven't quite dug into it so that was yeah. i think that was interesting um for her to bring up um did you guys it's something that senior officers know but lower deckers wouldn't know you know right. like anyway mm-hmm. sorry not to interrupt Karen. no 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 that's that's a good point that, that, that's a good point so maybe it was classified i don't know i'm trying to Salvage whatever I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> dig it out, dig it right out from the pit. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that was that was interesting to me, and and then I mean, quick aside, um, not not so much Mariner, but there, there was an insult around Starbase seventy nine or eighty. I 80. That's so funny. Oh, Starbase yeah. eighty. <laughs> no, not Starbase eighty. I mean, I like, the, off, the off camera shout is my favorite thing of all time. They like lampoon it so much in not another teen movie, and this one came up. We're like, oh, Starbase, Starbase eighty, and I like cried. So am I missing something here? I have no, no. idea what that means. No, it's a new thing. It's just like we all understand that it's bad because everyone's like, no. I mean, um, it's 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 to the like egregious references to other places in Star Trek <laughs> that we never hear of or see ever like, again. Rule yeah. regulation right. fifteen point seventy five. Like that was never going to come up again. Remember that time you and I went to Mataris Five and had that you know nudge nudge like you know one time and and you said this. Do you remember that? I remember that specifically. I quoted you. Right. And hey, look, it's very conveniently applies to the plot of this episode. Who's who? I'm a thematic genius. I love how I love how Mariner and Boimler do the like whole Vulcan salute as a piece. Like, and and I put a picture of that in your notes for you. But like, it's it's you know I like the little consistency between episodes that the show has, and with Boimler. He's, you know, he has buddies from the Academy, just like so many of our other Star Trek characters. <laughs> wow. And it's always the buddies from the Academy who come in and really screw everything up. And you're like, how did you not know that this person was kind of a problem in the Academy? <laughs> I don't really understand. I think what's interesting, so, I mean, the, what I loved about this episode, as I said before, there is a break from the Mariner versus Boimler storylines that we've had a bunch and so it's more like Mariner and Boimler working together. Um, what I thought was really interesting, though, and I was just thinking about this, is that... Um, uh, Mariner at one point was like, I would never break the rules that get people hurt, like that kind of thing. But then she also gets Fletcher promoted and she knows that things that Fletcher does could potentially hurt other people. And so that was an interesting, like, I, you know, like the, the storyline is actually convenient where she's like doing the easy thing first and then he gets fired eventually. So she's like, didn't have to get him fired, but he's fired now. And I thought that was a really interesting, like, realistically I, I believed everything that happened with Mar- Mariner and Boimler I believe that she was like I would never do this this is the kind of rule that I would never break and then at the end it's like now it's funny because no one's gonna die so I'm gonna get him promoted <laughs> and sent to the Titan where he could potentially hurt a bunch of other people because he's not a good Starfleet officer and so I thought mm-hmm. that was a weird it's, it's that weird thing with the way that they write Mariner in this show where like when it's serious she does everything right and it, and, and everything is un, un, is like unimpeachable and then when it's not serious suddenly she can like do these things that are like actually potentially really serious but it's funny so there's no ongoing moral quandary in there and I think that's a disservice to Mariner as a character because I really like her and I want, I want there to be somewhere to rest our feet with her you know what I mean so that was a that was a, a note that I picked up. 
Is uh is is Boimler Picard? I <laughs> know I thought that. the no, Nausicaan no. heart thing. Because yeah. no, because in because, an alternate universe. Yeah. <laughs> we know that Picard fought a lot of people in Starfleet and in, 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 in the academy. Like we know that he was like a rebel and he, you know, caused his best friend's death. And I feel like Boimler is like, nope. If it, if it involves me leaving my leaving my dorm room and getting into trouble, I just will never leave my dorm room. That's what Starfleet officers do. You know. So. <laughs> I think it just goes to show that it doesn't matter whether you follow all the rules or fight everybody, a Nausicaan's going to attack your heart. 100%. So. <laughs> that is the decision point in your career. You either get stabbed and, maybe, ooh, and maybe become he's a, a flagship captain. Maybe or, he's you know, the alternate universe Picard yeah. because they're just diametrically opposed. You know. I, I want to meet uh, whoever the Marta Botanides is for uh, Boimler. She's out there. <laughs> going to meet like 30 years from now. Um <laughs> But maybe, uh, but it'll be all about parasites. Then, maybe too. it was Fletcher. <laughs> maybe it was Fletcher. Some like people. you know, who's that? Who's the dude's name? Who's Picard's like friend? Who got really mad at him because he didn't let him break the game? Anyway, I can't remember. Billy, uh, bag. yeah. Teddy. Uh, Boimler's dream gig is to serve on the Titan with Captain Riker. Presumably, mm-hmm. is the captain of the of the Titan after Nemesis as he accepts that assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, any anything else on Boimler before we move on? I liked how, I I just really liked how they played off of each other this episode. Like Boimler would question things, but then would also then be like, "I'm in it together." So I thought that there was th- what was really nice was to see them like having social time with each other, going to the choo choo dance, which seemed hilarious. And I'm like, it was such a weird like side moment that didn't mm. actually involve the rest of the show. But like having them work together and having Boimler for a moment take a break from being like ambitious and manipulative and just having fun was really nice so there's like there is a whole person there um but i think that was the main thing that i pulled from this episode for him is there's something being different from what was in the past is that he was just like i'm ready to make sure that this never happens again i'm ready to make sure that this is right you know without making it about him advancing in rank Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there were multiple points where they both agreed as you said like one for me i caught i thought they were not going to agree it was I thought one one of them would not get into the engine noise thing, right? Like I was like, "What are you doing? This is stupid!" Right? It could be either of them. And then secondly, again, yeah, like you said, the choo choo dance. I thought one of them were gonna be like, "No, I'm not doing that," but they were both uh, in it, yeah. enjoying it. So that was a good point. Yeah, they they were in it together. Hey, Bill. Yeah, that what... was cute. I liked the choo choo dance. <laughs> so good. It's we'll so we'll nice. get to the yeah. choo choo dance. You don't worry. <laughs> we'll I got a whole there, section friends. of the notes just for the choo choo dance. <laughs> okay. um, Hey Bill, what what do you think of uh, Tendi and Rutherford in this in this episode? Yeah, I mean it was just really cute, and I I think I had been wondering like, oh, is this just really platonic, or is there some romantic interest here? And um, you know, so so it was just a really cute moment to have that acknowledged and to see the kind of lengths that Rutherford was willing to go to to impress Tendi. And I thought, I mean, this is getting more into plot stuff, but I thought that the kind of um, absurdist take on the run amok holodeck uh, was just really fun. I mean, that, that is just it like turns into like a complete psychopath. I'm going to wear know. your skin. I'm going to wear your yeah, skin. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll eat or, your knees. Shh, shh. It's like some Mortal Kombat going on. Yeah. 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 I mean, like the holodeck is always doing that. I don't know. All the time. <laughs> it's like it's the, the most place. dangerous place you can Never go. Never go there. <laughs> what yeah. are we doing? Never go. Safety's off. It's not good. But see, oh. I was a little worried. So I didn't catch this the first time. And I don't know if it was something that I that really was there or not. But um, so you, the first time I watched the episode, I was thinking that the glitch happened because of the damage that happened to the ship. Mm. But then I started to wonder if the glitch happened because Rutherford hit uh, badgy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was like so angry at Badgie and hit him. And so then I started worrying that maybe Rutherford has a secret, really horrifically violent streak. Oh, no. And oh, that's no. why Badgie, no, like, because Badgie was because horrible, like, but then they had the whole father son thing going yeah. on. And I don't know. I, I don't mm. want to think that, but I just started to worry. That's darker. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, that's true. That'd be really terrible. <laughs> He does. He does choose to turn around and fight when things are hopeless. I'll say that for us. That's true. We learned that he's got some uh, metal there. 
Yeah, we also like, I mean, we see a return of his like fighting skills from the second episode. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I love about Rutherford and Tendi is that all of their interactions are so high energy. Like if you like go back and watch their first scene together in the mess hall and they're just like, beep, beep, beep. Like the, the voice actors just play off of each other so well. And it's, so, it's always so much fun and so engaging, even if they're talking about like really nothing really serious or nothing really important. Like it's fun to watch them be in a scene together because they're always like super up and super um peppy mm-hmm. and one of the things that i so the, the um the issue that i had with mariner's line at the end or mariner and boimler's interaction with the, at the end of being like good thing we're working together instead of working against each other being like oh, that's a example of these writers not doing the work that they, they the kind of level of work that they can do i want to give them an example of like their writing at the at their best um which is when rutherford goes up to tendy for the first time in the mess hall and he kind of like flubs a little bit in starting a conversation he's like uh uh so so and like it's a really small moment but it gives us the clue that rutherford's gonna start like he has, he has feelings for tendy and, and like that's gonna be a part of this episode and that was really subtle and it wasn't overplayed and so when he gets to the end and he's telling badgie like she's really cute like it makes sense and so the rest of the, of the whole storyline of that episode of him trying to impress tendy makes sense and isn't like this is a convenient back writing of this whole episode just for this moment and so i think those small moments those subtle moments in the writing really help and really push character development forward mm-hmm. and that was a perfect example of it in this episode with between rutherford and dendy one last plug for dendy if we're, if we're going to move on after is it looks like you could uh, get grades mixed up in starfleet uh, academy right like <laughs> <laughs> i didn't think that could be possible in a digital world but like uh, <laughs> someone just put a grade in there and she passed and, yeah. and i wonder how like often someone... that happens right well and i feel like someone else didn't complete their spacewalk Oh, yeah, um, isn't unit. it true? Yeah, that seemed that seemed familiar. Was it Edge was that who it was? It wasn't Barclay. Warf was it? hated like... hates spacewalking. I mean, I it, I, yeah. I know that that's the thing from First yeah. Contact. That's yeah. true. But <laughs> anyway, um, it just sparked something in my brain. Mm-hmm. Load and magnet. Load and magnet. Yeah. What if I forget the magnet? Let's let's talk about Badgie before we <laughs> take another break. And Badgie oh, instantly, man. by the way, I've been watching Thirty Rock with my partner. And oh yeah. Badgie's played by Jack McBrayer, who plays <laughs> Kenneth the Page in that on that show, and uh, also has roles in, in movies like Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and uh, Wreck It Ralph. Wreck It oh, Ralph. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> play, he, he's fantastic in this. Although it's unlike my praise last week for Jillian Jacobs, I knew immediately it was it was Jack <laughs> McBrayer. Uh, but um, Emily, what do you think about Badgie's presence? I mean, yeah, Clippy, obviously a Clippy person. But uh... yeah, but I I mean, I just there's I don't know that there's much funnier than um, hearing Jack McBriar with his voice saying, I want to I'm going to wear your skin. <laughs> I want to. I'm, what, what else did he say? Like, bathe I'm going to bathe in your blood and cut, cut, cut I'm your going to throat. take your eyeballs. <laughs> I mean, it was just really beheading like, people in a Bajoran market. It's, it's <laughs> it was that was the part I was like, that's like Mortal Kombat. I remember I mean, watching my what, cousin right? play that game, you know, like the spinal column hanging from oh, the head. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. my, oh my god, Mortal Kombat 10 is so good. God. Dude, it's wild. I mean, I saw I I mean, I definitely lost it at the very beginning when I knew it was a clippy joke. I'd be like, this is this is great. And like the loading screen, you'd be like, oh my god. And then like obviously things go off the rails like rapidly and wildly to the point like he's like when he rips the guy's head off in the market, I was like, oh, oh shit, we're going here. Like this is where <laughs> we're going right now. It's another example of why animation is so different from <laughs> live action where you can like this is a thing that we can absolutely do. Um and then like the death scene was so dark it was so twisted i was like father father you made me this way father and he's like and like he's freezing to death and um like he stabs rutherford which i i I actually squealed out loud watching it when he stabbed rutherford with an icicle i was like oh my god is this where rutherford dies but then the point where like he's about to die and rutherford's like comforting him and he just goes i'm gonna eat your knees and rutherford's like no 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 quiet quiet and so like all of us like the whole thing i was sitting there watching it with like my hands over my ears like you can't see it's podcast it's radio but um my hands over my ears my eyes like huge and then at the end when he gets re like resurrected and he's like can i teach you a lesson can i teach you a lesson can i teach you and, like you're like oh oh this is good writing too because he's like definitely taught him a lesson definitely taught him an As... irreversible lesson but just like wildly 
out of left field the whole time, and I loved it. As the doors close on the holodeck, mm-hmm. when they're like, no, no, thanks, bye, and he mm-hmm. says, I'm always, always here. here. Like, yeah. at, as, Are we still as, in the game, baby? <laughs> yep. So he, the, the way that that thing has been programmed has obviously been a little messed up. The other thing I didn't understand necessarily, maybe one of you can help me, is the very last thing he says before his head gets twisted, which, again, animation allows you to have a badge's head twisted, um, he says he says diplomatic immunity, and I didn't understand that. And maybe I'm not supposed to. I don't maybe this know is maybe sense. this is an application of the bill directive. Like, don't think too hard about Star Trek. But like, you know, <laughs> I, I I I I was just it, it was one of those things of like, did I hear that right? What? Um, I I picked up on something on Reddit that that was horrifying, which is Badgie with a mobile emitter. No. Oh. <laughs> no. Everywhere, oh my anywhere. goodness, that would be horrible. God. For it's me, little... God, sorry. <laughs> okay, I'll go ahead. Yeah. So for yep. me, it was interesting. Um, I was trying to figure it out again. There's definitely a. I was trying to see if there's somebody who hasn't connected Microsoft in the writer group. So I, I did a re- little bit of research on Clippy, and it looks like Clippy had a a bit of a comeback. Um. <laughs> Um, a yeah. few months back, it apparently came up as as a as a uh, attachable GIF in in Microsoft Teams, and then everybody panicked and they thought it was going to come back as an assistant in Microsoft <laughs> Teams. So we I don't know if the writers use Microsoft Teams and somebody saw it, um, <laughs> but but yeah, and then 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 Microsoft um, I think confirmed that they're they're not bringing it back, but um, they always like the invention. Again, paraphrasing, but yeah, there's, there's some recent history with Clippy. Um, man. A bit of a resurgence. Ugh, man, it haunts my dreams. It's a little so bit I... like, sorry, Bill, I keep doing this. Go, ahead. go for it. Man. <laughs> it's a little bit like the, the Scooby-Doo movie in like the early 2000s where Scrappy-Doo is the villain and everyone's like, good, because we all hated Scrappy-Doo. It's a little bit like that where it's like, at, like once once he shows up and he's obviously Clippy to anybody who's ever seen Clippy, they're like, I hope he dies. <laughs> The storyline is where he meets his demise because he is automatically terrible by association and I hate him. And it worked out. It was great. So I I just have to point out that they had a great Star Trek uh, solution here where they're, you know, they're on the in the Bajoran marketplace and then they're like running up the temple steps Mm -hmm. and they look back and they're like, oh. Why is he getting tired? He shouldn't be getting tired. <laughs> and then and then Rutherford is like, oh, I know. Like, therefore, we should go to an ice planet and that'll make him cold or something. Okay. And then we can def- it's like, okay, good enough. What, sure, I mean, whatever. I don't get it, but you know. <laughs> okay. It's a little bit like mad libs. It's like cho- choose an adjective and choose a place. So it's cold mountain. Done. Yeah, Excellent. right. <laughs> I'm going to say we should take another quick break here, mm-hmm. and we will return with more strange new takes. Father! Sorry, you came to this patchy. I'm going to cut off your foot. Shh, shh, shh. No, don't talk. It's over now. Diplomatic immunity. <laughs> And welcome back again to Strange New Takes, where we're going to talk to you about more regarding terminal provocations. Fletcher, who has been in four previous episodes of the show, I went back and I checked, and there's a photograph on our social media feeds that you can go look, where I've put together uh, four different screenshots of him in previous episodes. Now made a character who's an old friend of Bartler's. <laughs> I think it's interesting, like, he... I was kind of hoping that he, or wishing that he had shown up at least in one scene before this episode, so we had some sort of established baseline. I think this probably would have uh, talked, like, gone to Bill's main um, criticism of Fletcher as a character in this episode. Like, if we'd seen him do anything like co- slightly cooler in previous episodes, I know we have it's, it's like a solid twenty-five minutes per episode, but it would have helped establish the baseline so if you're like maybe you would believe more in Fletcher but as it was it like if you hadn't noticed it and you weren't like on memory alpha being like oh that's curly haired dudes in like four different episodes he must be more important than a simple background character um then like him showing up in this one episode and then having a thing happen to him I was like who could possibly who could this possibly be who could be responsible for this very clearly avoidable situation it's a little bit like a celebrity showing up on Law and Order, and you're like, "Who's the murderer? <laughs> who is it? I wonder who this person is. I wonder how she died. I wonder who killed her." It's like a little bit like that. 
I, I am <laughs> going to point out, by the way, you referenced Memory Alpha to look up where he'd been. It's not on Memory Alpha. I found Ooh, stuff that is not on Memory Alpha. Shut the front door. Oh my god. Um, wow. I will, I will also. It was on Reddit. <laughs> It was on Reddit, uh, wasn't it? Hey, <laughs> I can find things, guys. Uh, <laughs> there are two places. I know two websites, and this is one of my websites. I, I mean, but this is this is this is another one of those Star Trek tropes, right? You have this in Voyager. Two of my like, mm-hmm. one of well, I'll just talk about the one. One of my favorite episodes of Voyager, Ashes to Ashes, where you have this ensign who has died previously in the show come back, mm-hmm. and she's brought back to life by an ancient species. She's found by Voyager because she's running away, and then. Uh, she's like Harry Kim's love interest, you know, dude who never gets promoted and has any real character development finally <laughs> falls Harry in love Kim. and she's Aww. yanked away from at the end of the episode. This this happens so much. Like this one yeah. character shows up and like somebody's like, oh, this uh, is uh, Ensign Brian. Brian and I hung out a lot on Ryza last year wow. and we've been hanging out every week ever All since. All our development happened off camera. Isn't that so convenient? You've never everyone. seen Brian, but he's really important to this plot now. Uh, so, yeah. so, so I, I, I took it as kind of the, the same, like, mm-hmm. them mocking another Star mm-hmm. Trek trope, you know? Yeah. But, but Fletcher's a bro, right? Yeah, he's a bro, but he's, like, he's a bro of the nerds. He's, like, a, you know what I mean? Like, if he's, a, if he's Boimler's bro, <laughs> then he's the nerd bro. Even if he's bigger <laughs> and stronger, like, if he's trying to be smart and cool and sexy like Boimler, <laughs> then you're, like... What are your t- what is your taste? I, I'm, conf- I'm confused about what your taste in people is. But I think one of the things that was really huge for me is him like wishing to be smarter. Like that's the thing that he was trying to do was like be sexy and smart, which is weird. Yeah. That just reminded me of something from one of the panels um, when uh, is it uh, Jack Quaid who voices Boimler? He said he was watching the first episode with his girlfriend, and there's the scene where. Uh, Boimler and Mariner are sitting on the tree in their skivvies and she goes oh honey look he has your body and he <laughs> yeah. was like what? Uh, I don't know how I feel about that <laughs> he's a boy size funny. small <laughs> he's the smallest man Fletcher yeah, so. does not look like the actor who played him which is Tim Robinson who's got a who's got a new Netflix show and has done some pretty cool things I know people who really love Tim Robinson I have not watched this stuff very much um, oh, it's I, so good. He's so funny. Well, what's the show I called? I recommend bro? it. I think it's just called like the Tim Robinson show. Okay. It's something yeah, like that. I, re- I don't it's, remember. It's hilarious, dude. Okay. Okay. Um, and he is, he gets so many things that he is called in this episode. He's called a natural negotiator. He threatens to start a fight, except it's, he threatens Mariner to fight delta shift and then he like avoids a fight later but then he wants to fight himself it's just like he has a lot of contradictory mm-hmm. things that he does and it's just kind of like it feels like he's reacting to every moment differently and that just might be who he is mm-hmm. um and yeah he the the other thing about him is that he's the second character in the show who's promoted straight from ensign to lieutenant with no lieutenant junior grade which i completely understand right this is it's a cartoon it's <laughs> <laughs> but it's just really uh, took me right out of the show <laughs> right worth worth just uh just catching up on but uh yeah and he ends up on the titan and getting fired from there is there seem... sorry go ahead it did, he did seem like a little bit of a convenient create character creation which is a little bit less jarring i think for me from one-off characters than it is for like episode like season long or series long characters where like you know like we had um the issue with captain freeman in moist vessel where we're like what what is this writing and why is this writing part of your characterization that's weird for the fletcher it was like everything you do is wrong <laughs> literally everything and like you couldn't be more wrong about everything that you do and you're you're terrible and you're a bad person but it didn't seem like it needed to go past the boundaries of this one particular episode and so i was much more willing to be like well he just sucks a lot and he's bit like past all help as of like a regular person a regular character um so i was ha- happy that he's not like hopefully not going to come back in any real capacity for <laughs> any longer than one singular episode, like maybe two seasons from now. Yeah, I mean, do, do, do you guys think there's absolutely any connect to um, uh, that Fletcher dude from D&G Lower Decks, right? Um, who's vying for a promotion because, again, very different people, but he was also an ensign or was he a junior grade 
working for a lieutenant promotion. I don't remember. He he's uh, one of the background actors. He does get mentioned in Lower Decks, but he's uh there's a memory alpha page for Ensign Fletcher from TNU. There's no Reddit. No there's no Reddit thread for Ensign Fletcher. <laughs> just a I have I have no doubt that, that, that <laughs> that's where the name came from. Um, let's let's keep trudging along. Uh, Delta Shift exists again. We get them mentioned. They, we actually see them, and you, you can see a picture of Delta Shift in your notes. They're basically shapeshifted versions of Boimler, Mariner, Tandy, and Rutherford, basically, uh, copycats. They work while Beta Shift is asleep, and now we find out that Mariner and Co. are on Beta Shift from that. Um, right, that was, the, that was the only thing that, that really brought, the Delta Shift really brought out to me. So I was like, oh, they're literally Betas. Oh, this TV show about, like, the B-team. The B-team is literally the B-team. I get it. <laughs> that, that was really the big, my big takeaway mm-hmm. from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What, one of the don't fir- undo your flaps. Don't undo your flaps. Don't talk about my dad. Don't talk oh, yeah. about my dad. Apparently, that's when they fight. Uh, when Starfleet officers fight, they pull the flap off their uniforms yes, right. in, the, in the series. Not, uh, when I was like, I'll, I'll take you to the dance. I'll, I'll pick, pick you up. up I'll mom. pick you up yeah. at your mom and dad's house. <laughs> so great. So good. Oh, oh man. Uh, this is one of, I think, the first episode where we see all of the senior staff on the bridge at least once, mm-hmm. including Lieutenant Commander Andy Billups, the chief engineer, played by Paul Shear, which I don't think oh. I've mentioned from uh, Human Giant and many other things. Dr. Taana is uh, crotchety like every other Star Trek doctor, which I hadn't noticed until this episode. That, that was a callback <laughs> to other, you know, the doctor, Bones, etc. Uh, I love that she was called a cat in a coat by Fletcher. Kind of, but that's kind of racist. Like, yeah. what, what's up with that? Yeah. And it makes me think of how they talk about uh, the Doctor on Voyager, you know? Like, yeah. you, you can be dismissive because they're not the same as you. Right. <laughs> I love that's doctor. not very Starfleet. It I agree with you. It did make me wonder what the Cation homeworld is like and what Ta'ana's, like, apartment is like. Like, are there, like is it just, like, jute, like, thick thread that Tana can just like scratch on all the walls and With like cat trees everywhere. Dope. Right. Maybe your quarters are like that in, in the Cerritos too. Yeah. Maybe it's like tricked out for, for I, her own comfort. I, I want to make sure we get to see that. Uh, Ransom was jumpy in this episode and he kind of sat between Shaxes who was like, let me blow up the warp core. Let me, <laughs> let me fight. Damn it. And Freeman was like, I am going to be diplomatic no matter what. Uh, I think Freeman we, really killed it in this episode. I mean, Ransom's often so often the, the side like sidekick to her anyway so it didn't really jump out at me that ransom was not super like developed because it's not really like a developed character i think freeman did exactly what she was supposed to do in this episode and did it like with confidence and then was like you know what fuck it i'm just gonna shoot on him right now because i've done everything i can possibly to 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 stop to avoid this situation and like here we are we have to um but honestly the real winner for this episode is shacks i think yeah. shacks was the like the metal the goes to shacks a hundred percent this episode he was so funny it's like my the one i wrote he wrote down is like i have been very good this month like yeah. come on it's yeah. so good Ugh, the most exciting. i have to jump back i'm jumping back just one thing i wanted to say about freeman there, there's two episodes in a row now where we have seen that she has extraordinary patience. Yes. So absolutely. anyway, I just thought that was a nice characteristic to pull out. Mm-hmm. And, and real, a real uh, flair for diplomacy. Mm-hmm. Always wants to get yeah. that up. I know we yeah. mentioned mm-hmm. it last time. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I just love when Shax is, uh, who heard Bill up say, if we fire on them, it's an act of war. Shax is, I advise you fire on them. <laughs> <laughs> just, Please let me blow up the warp car. <laughs> it's so I've been good. I've waiting forever. He's so sad when the weapons are gone. Oh, oh yes. yes. He was so excited. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so funny. Uh, so, so Shax is, he's just playing. Um, he, he's like a absurd, tropey version of Worf, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, on YouTube, there are, like, you know, clip videos of Worf, like, recommending to Picard that they like blow up the enemy ship yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Picard never does it. Right? Yeah. Never. <laughs> you know, he it's just like, ignores Worf's advice, well, basically. Like, all, it's like he's not like, there. TNG for with, with Worf is Worf saying things and everybody's like, shut up, Worf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he gets to like DS9 and people are like, oh, Worf's like a really important person. I'm like, I've been waiting for this moment for years. <laughs> years. Finally. Let's, uh, let's talk about the things that we learned about the world of Trek. Mm-hmm. We met the Drukmani. The captain was... Voiced by J.G. Hersler. Yeah, that's so great. I didn't that. know that. That's yeah. awesome. I immediately heard it. I was like, that's J.G. Hertzler. And I looked it up and I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I looked it up as soon as I heard that voice. Yeah. And uh, I, I 
I see someone's added a note. Uh, well, I think that was me actually. So that's it's, I just <laughs> from Reddit. Someone, other These me. notes are so long. This amazing uh, note that some some amazing person added. Who is that? Is it me? Is that me? I don't. Antithesis on Reddit does a bunch of threads about canon references from various whenever there's mm-hmm. an episode aired, and this one, uh, this person said. Drukpani salvaging vessel is the same design as the cargo drone ships in More Tribbles, More Troubles. Design was also retroactively used for the previously unseen Antares in the remastered version of Charlie X. Hmm. And the Derelicts Registry, so this is the ship that was blown up that, that, that's being salvaged, is NCC-502, which is one higher than that than that oh, ship, meaning the, the Antares. So uh, there's, there's a bunch of callbacks there, very subtle, subtle callbacks, um, mm-hmm. which... Starbase 80, we've already talked about a little mm-hmm. bit. That was something that we learned about its existence. The Choo Choo Dance, oh as I God. promised, is a topic of discussion. Mm. Love made the by the dance. Zebulon the sisters. Dance. He has a Choo 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 Dance. Oh, well, that's, that was, I mean, that was the. I, I screamed, I cried. I saw you cry. We all cried. <laughs> that's going to be my cosplay, is the Choo Choo Dance shirt. Uh, someone so on Reddit has already made it. So oh, I, I'm yes. sure there'll be Etsy versions on sale soon. That's so good. Um, yeah, I, just, I think, I mean, beyond, like, the choo-choo dance, like, it being, even existing, it's really fun just to see, like, that there actually is, like, a nightlife, and there are things that people do beyond, like, going to the bar <laughs> on, yeah. like, any given night, and that people, like, look forward to things, because it's not just, like, the, the pace of just working and and going to sleep all the time, like, there is a thing that people, everyone's, like, getting together for and is super excited about and dressing up for, I thought that was really fun. And it's cooler than like the poetry reading. Oh my god, the, impre- like the senior deck or the senior <laughs> Federation. The impressions. The United Federation of Characters. Um, uh. Yeah, there's a Wilhelm screen in this episode. It's one of the first mm-hmm. times I've noticed it happening. It's in the Bajoran marketplace when the person's uh, head gets torn off. There's a bunch of per- perfect use. <laughs> uh huh. And yeah, let's uh, let's. I'm just gonna jump through these memorable moments. I just have one I, I have to point out, which is just. The, the the Drukmani captain with Captain Freeman where they're where they're talking about avoiding f- damage is fighting and Captain yeah. Freeman says we can talk this out and the captain just responds fuck you, you. I have wanted that <laughs> for so long some alien just to be like no Starfleet no. fuck you and your diplomacy I'm gonna kill you now <laughs> instead all we get is this jibber jabber this guy just like cuts nope. to the Bye. the chase and it is I I had to pause it because I just was on the floor laughing after that happened. <laughs> so it's almost good. like a it's almost like a sandbox fight, right? They're just like throwing stuff. So good. <laughs> Pick uh-huh. it up and throw it at you. The worst. Two trivia things that I want to point out that uh, I are really deep cuts. One is that the Rutherford mentions a cryo frozen princess as being something that mm-hmm. is in one of the salvage containers as as like an important mm-hmm. thing that they might be able to retrieve. That's an, a reference to the 11th episode, season two of Enterprise, Precious Cargo, where Padma Lakshmi, ex-wife of Salman Rushdie, plays a cryogenically frozen mm-hmm. princess that then Trip Tucker falls in love with and we never see again after that episode. So... <laughs> One deep cut. Second deep cut, also from Enterprise. There is an Antaran Starfleet officer shown in this episode, which is a species that the Denobulans, Dr. Flox from Enterprise, Denobulans, had a massive war with. And again, show up in one episode. And these are like two Enterprise deep cuts that I bet you is the same writer who's probably on a (laughs) rewatch or like on a memory alpha hole was like, all right, this episode is these two. Um, so, hey, with, with that, let's let's jump into strange new ratings. What did y'all think? Who wants to stick their neck out first and give this episode a rating? I'll go first. I'll do it. I feel like so. I'm gonna give it a higher a high rating. I'm gonna do a nine out of ten again. Um, actually, maybe nine point five because I feel like this one, it, what the other one didn't do, what the Cupid's Air and Arrow didn't do was like take risks outside of the established universe of Trek. And so like, well, you know, holodeck misadventures, uh, as Rutherford pointed out in this episode, are not uncommon. Uh, the, the, the running joke of this holodeck misadventure is from out of universe. And so it was a bit of a risk in a Star Trek episode. So mm. I'm going to say it's a 9.5. It's generally really well written. It runs together really well. A lot happens in the 25 minutes. And also there's something, there's a bit of a risky maneuver in the episode, which I really appreciated. So 9.5 out of 10 for me. I think I'm going to go next. I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5. I enjoyed the episode. 
I, my favorite thing is I'm gonna wear your skin, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that might be why I gave it a four out of five. I just thought I will say I was a little worried at the end of the episode that they were starting to lay the seeds for a Boimler Mariner mm, romance. Romance, and I was not throw into it out that. the window. But um, so hopefully, I was misinterpreting because I I just don't want that. So mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, I'll I'll go with um, I liked it. it. It was it was. I also agree. It was um, along the lines of the quality of the previous episode. Um, I do feel that the way they pivoted Fletcher and then, um, which added to the mystery in the beginning, never really added up in the end. So that part got me a little bit. So I'll, I'll go for an eight on ten. But generally, again, like the fact that. They're expanding the universe um, and, and taking um, taking chances with things outside of Trek. I like that. Okay, I'm going to give it six badgies out of the badgie scale is a 10-point scale. So I'm giving... <laughs> oh, just, I, I agree with all the points that have been made. I thought the, the writing was really tight in a lot of respects, and I liked parts of the episode a lot. I just hate Fletcher. So... Like, and I don't even hate him. Like, he's supposed to not be likable. I get that. But even so, I still hate him. So. (laughs) Hate him too much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Bill, I'm I'm kind of on your end of the scale. I'm going to give this a 7.5 because I thought it was an enjoyable episode. I had some, I was laughing throughout it. I really liked it. But it's not like amazing uh, in my mind. Just personally, I I feel like this is one of those episodes I could watch again, but I'm not going to be like, you. If you're going to watch three episodes of Lower Decks season one, this is the one, you know, like I'm not going to put it at that end of the list, which like last week or even the first mm-hmm. episode I would throw onto that essential watching. So I feel like a mm-hmm. 7.5 for me on a 10 point scale uh, captures that. It would be very different if it's a 100 point scale. But anyway, um, <laughs> with that, thank you again for joining me. I want to I want to thank Bill. I want to thank Emily, Rudy and Dinah for being here. Thank you also Max hey. and Adam for existing. And uh, in the world, breathing oxygen. The, thank right? you. Thank you listener <laughs> for for again showing up and and taking the time to listen to our strange new takes and thanks to Jishnu Guha who created our theme music or at least played it. Uh, the composition I believe was Jerry Goldsmith probably whoever made the Klingon theme and Jishnu has a uh, great podcast called Geek Fruit that you should check out if you so, if you feel so inclined also as always thank you to the Drukmani for finally showing those damn Starfleet captains to stop talking <laughs> and, and having the perfect response uh, when when called on the view screen so I appreciated that from them as well <laughs> <laughs> alright everybody see you next week goodbye bye bye